And we begin to look at the first week, we understand that in order for us to make a difference in this world, we have to have certain qualities. We must live certain ways. How many people would consider yourself a serious fisher? Like you've got like, I mean, there's people out there, and I had no idea about this. You know, they like buy equipment to tell them where the fish is are. That's like cheating. But they're serious. And sometimes you'll flip by ESPN or one of those channels and you see them out there and they're having competitions and this and that. And you're thinking, wow, these guys are serious. And if they don't catch anything, they're upset because it's a competition. It's a way of life for them. Then we have the casual fishers. And they'll say, because me, I don't, I don't like the fish. I, I couldn't imagine sitting somewhere all of that time and nothing happening. But you're talking to a fisherman and they'll be like, it's okay. I don't care whether I catch anything or not. It's just being there. So you have your serious fishers versus your casual fishers. And unfortunately, in Christianity, when God tells us to be fishers of men... We have some people who take it really serious. Some people who live and die with whether or not they are fulfilling the mission that Christ had placed before them. Then on the other hand, we have those people that say, well, it really doesn't matter if I catch anything or not. It's just that I'm here. It's just being here is, is good enough. And so as we look at this series, what I'm challenging us to do is to start to understand and realize that it does matter. That just being here, just being a believer isn't enough. The first week we looked at Luke chapter 5. And we begin to talk about how that Peter and the others had been fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. Their boat was empty. But Jesus walked to them and he walked into their boat. He told them to push out a little bit more and to let down their nets. And because they trusted him, they did that. And the Bible tells us that their nets were overfilled. That their boats were so full that they began to sink, two of them. And so we looked at how that Peter looked at Jesus and he said, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And Jesus said, listen, up until now you have been fishers for a living. You've been fishing for fish. He said, but... As of now, if you will follow me, if you will become my disciple, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. So then last week, we looked at the book of Daniel. And we looked at how that Daniel decided that he was not going to defile himself. And even though he was in a situation that he could have been very bitter about, he was in a situation that could have really destroyed him and made him upset and angry. But instead of that, he said, you know what? I'm going to make the best of it. And Daniel became the best servant that that land had ever known. 
And even though that he was in a strange place and in a situation that was not fair, he had done nothing to deserve that. He had been done nothing to be made captive, to be took captive. But he did it. But he wouldn't bow down to the culture. And we talked about how that we could not allow the culture that we were in determine who we are. And we talked about how that Christianity is not just about the things that we don't do, but it's about the things that we do. So this week, we want to look at another story. And it's found, if you've been around church at all, it's probably a familiar story. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And it's a story about the Good Samaritan. And when we look at this passage of Scripture... We see that there's a lawyer and he's asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And let's read it in verse 30. It said, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. So they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, it's love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he responded, well, who is my neighbor? There's always a smart aleck in the crowd, right? Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus said, let me tell you this story. And so Jesus started this. Now, when we read this story, we immediately, at least I do, we immediately think of someone, and we see it with our natural eyes. We think of someone who has been beaten. We think of someone maybe who is homeless. Someone who is down on their luck. And we think, yeah, that's my neighbor. And we, re- we believe that that's, that is what Jesus is getting at in this story. And if we aren't careful, we can say, well, I don't encounter that many homeless people. I don't encounter that many people who have been left on the side of the road for dead. I hope none of you have. It's not a common thing here in Ashland that I know of. But for someone, when we begin to look at it with the eyes of Christ, we can realize and understand that the enemy attacks people. The enemy attacks the person sitting beside you. The enemy attacks your neighbor. And he leaves them for dead. When we can read this story and realize that that he could be talking about here, and if we would look at it through these eyes, people who are spiritually bankrupt. Sometimes we, we may not recognize it. You may look at them and they may think or look as if they have it all together. They may look as if everything is fine. But my prayer is, is that we can begin to look at things with our spiritual eyes. And through the eyes of Christ. And realize that there are people just like this man who had been beaten and left for dead. There are people who are on that same path. Spiritually. They're hurting. They need someone to show them love. 
Let's read on, verse 31. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. And we read this and we think, why in the world? Why would these two supposedly men of God, why would they see a man left beaten, hurting, left for dead, and why would they just walk right on by? How many people have ever read that and thought, man, those guys were horrible? Come on, we have. We look at that and we say, why in the world? And we judge those guys. And you think, if that was me, I would never. I would have stopped. I would have helped them. I would have done what I could do. But can I tell you, in actuality, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. You see, every man's misery is your opportunity for ministry. Every man's misery. How many people know somebody that's going through something right now? We all do. Why? Because it's life. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It's life. Everybody's going through something or at some point will be going through something. And every person that is in misery, it's our chance to minister to them. It's our chance to show them the love of Christ. It's our chance to show them that we love God and we also love people. Unfortunately, too many times, how many people have cats? I have a cat. So up until about a month ago, six weeks ago, two months ago, I don't know, when it started getting cold. Anybody ever inherited a cat? They just show up. I've always been a dog person. And I've always said, I'm not sure really to be... Reese is not in here, right? I'm not really sure if I'm really allergic to cats. I mean, I used to be. But every time she wants a cat, I'm, I'm saying, Daddy's allergic. <laughs> but when it was really cold this winter, there was this cute cat, okay? I'm warming up. And it didn't seem to have a home. Well, this tore our daughter to pieces. And my wife. And maybe me just a little bit. So the first thing we did was we went out to Royal King. And I said, well, here's where I draw the line. I, am, uh, I bought it a, a heated house for the outside. That stupid cat wouldn't get in that thing for nothing. <laughs> You'd try to, it had a door on the front and the back. You'd try to put her in there and she'd just run out the back. Like, it's 10 degrees out here, you dumb cat. So that didn't work. So guess where the cat ended up? In our garage. So here we are, buying food, cat litter. Fortunately, somebody gave us one of those scratching posts and all this stuff. And we were doing it the other day, and I said, we're buying this stuff for a cat that's not even ours. 
And my wife said, oh, it's ours. <laughs> but cats, and the reason that they bother me so much is because they're just different. You know, a dog, a dog comes up and it wants to be petted. And you can push it away and it just comes right back. You can kick it in the teeth and it just comes right back. A cat, it clocks in and out. Sometimes it wants to be petted. Sometimes it wants to be left alone. Sometimes I'll come in the garage and she'll just be sitting there purring and I think, oh, it's cute. I might pet her every now and then. Sometimes I'll walk in the garage and she jumps down like I'm getting ready to kill her. And not too long ago, we're learning about cats and my wife tried to pick her up and she scratched her. And that didn't make my wife too happy. And then for the next two days, Christy would walk in and she said, she's looking at me with those evil eyes. I was like, well, you have lost your mind. But cats clock in and out. They make the decision whether they want affection, whether they're going to. And sometimes as Christians, we are guilty of clocking in on Sunday morning. Okay, I'm going to show love right now. But then when we hit the parking lot out here, we clock out. And it's so easy for us just to walk by people. It's so easy to watch people who are hurting but say, I'm not on duty. Or we say, well, somebody else will take care of them. Somebody else will minister to them. Somebody else has it. Someone else will show them love. But I am convinced that God puts people in our lives for a reason and for a purpose. I'm not just convinced of it. The Bible tells us that everything that happens has a purpose and a reason. Nothing happens by accident. And when God puts somebody in your life, my challenge to you is do not pass them by. Do not go look at them and pass them by on the other side. If we're following Jesus, we should have some fish stories. If we're following Jesus, we should have some fish stories. Let's read in verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So here's this man just going through daily life. The Bible says that, he was, that they were despised. This was, the most, this was the least likely person, if you're reading this story, this was the least likely person to have helped this man. But it said that he felt compassion for him. Sometimes I believe that we need to check if we're showing compassion. Now you say, what is compassion? What is compassion? Well, I can tell you that compassion is more than just a feeling. Compassion is more than a feeling. Because compassion without movement really isn't true compassion. When I looked up the definition, 
It says this, compassion is to recognize the suffering of others, then take action to help. It's two parts. Recognizing the suffering of others, then also, along with, and they take action to help. You see, we're not rewarded just because we see somebody and cry. It's not enough to just look at somebody and say, oh, poor thing. My grandma was always, she would always say, she would look at somebody and she'd say, bless their heart. Anybody say that? Bless their heart. I'm not comparing you to my grandma. But we're guilty of that sometimes. We look at someone, we show compassion or what we think is compassion. But we, don't, we take no action to help. Can I tell you that compassion is going to cost something? Anytime God asks us to do something, it's going to cost us. It may not be the most convenient thing. You have people all the time that say, oh, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to be fishers of men, but I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to spend with that person. I don't have the time. And you just pass them by. The priest and the temple assistant. They were too busy. They passed him by. Somebody else will help him. I'm too busy. And as we begin to grow, I would like to think that I'm Superman. I know I resemble him. What's the laughter for? Just wait till I come out of the phone booth. But as we begin to grow, uh, this church is going to be filled with people and your life is going to be filled with people who need someone to show them compassion and take action to help them. It can't always be me. As much as I would love it. You say, man, you're preaching hard this morning. It's because I understand and I realize that we are filled with a group of people here that you do want to make a difference. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. If you didn't, you wouldn't have signed off on moving to this community. But you did. Because I know you care. We're like family. I know that you have a heart. And so through this series, I'm just saying, let's take it up a level. Let's take it up a level. The truth is, is only dead people don't have time. You ever said, you make time for what you wanted to do? You know we do it. We make time for what's important to us. When God calls us to do something, we need to stop looking at the excuses. We need to stop being Moses and say, I, I can't. We need to realize that we can. That God has placed it in us. This guy, this Samaritan, he wasn't a doctor. He didn't have an, an education to, to be able to help this person. But he used what he had. He used what was available to him. And too often I believe that it's not really, it's not that we don't want to help. It's not that we think we don't have the time, but we're intimidated. I can't. 
I don't know enough. Listen, you don't have to know anything. All you have to know is your story, as we talked about in that first week. You, you can't become intimidated and say that, that I can't make a difference because you can. Your story is, is all that you need. When someone is down on the ground of life, when they've been knocked down, when they're hurting, you may have never been to seminary, but you may have a story. You may have the ability. Can I tell you that there will be people that you encounter that you may be able to share your story with? That you may be able to make a difference in their life that I couldn't. Yes, I have a, a, a degree in pastoral ministry. But there are times that someone will come to me with a situation and they're going through stuff. I can't help them. I can tell them what the Bible says. But sometimes they just want to hear a story. They want to hear, hey, I was there, but God did this for me. I was in this situation, but God rescued me. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. The Jesus in you is enough. Jesus has given us everything that we need to make a difference. And when God brings the opportunity across your path, what you have is enough. Let's read verse 35. It says, The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, if you do research, it will tell you that these two coins, it was equivalent to a full day's wage. So here this man, this despised Samaritan, the, the most unlikely person to help this man who had been beaten and who was hurting, he walks up to him, he shows compassion. He takes action, and then he gives his whole day's wage. A whole day's worth of work. And says, here, take this. Take care of this man. And then he goes one step more. And he says, if it costs anything above this, the next time I'm coming, he said, put it on my bill. I'll take care of it. He was willing to do whatever it took, no matter the cost, no matter the inconvenience, whatever it took to see that this man was made whole. To see that he was taken care of. To see that his hurts were bandaged up. To see that he could begin to heal. My question to us is, is, when was the last time that we were so concerned? Now, I, you can look at this, and if you're looking at it, just the story, you think, well, you're talking about the guy standing down by Burger King. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about someone who can't pay their bills. Yes, we need to be concerned about them as well. But what I'm talking about, somebody who 
we are so concerned about because they're lost. Because they're hurting. Because life hasn't been fair to them. Because they need to see Jesus. They need to know the God that we love. When was the last time that we were so concerned? There is a theological view. And maybe the first time you've ever heard me use that word. Theological. Just rolls off your tongue. Theological. Try it. Theological. There's a theological view of this story. And what that means is, is that people who are smarter than I am read this story and they say, theologically, we could see that Jesus could have been talking about this. That he could have meant something just a little bit deeper. And when they look at it, they say, we can look at the thief in this story and realize that that is Satan. That is the enemy of our soul. The Bible tells us that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a real enemy. He's after me. He's after you. He's after the person across the street. He doesn't, he's no respecter of person. It doesn't matter to him. There is a real enemy. And he's the thief. And this injured man that's laying on the side of the road that has been beaten and left for dead is a representation of mankind. Because that's all of us. That's all of us. At one point in our life, the Bible says that, that, that we, were, we were born into sin. We were born lost. We were born into this situation. That's us. We were left for dead. The priest and the Levite, the priest and the temple assistant in this story is a picture of the law. Because the law absolutely could not save us, could not make us whole. But then there was Jesus. And Jesus is a representation in the story of the Samaritan. The Samaritan is a representation of Jesus. And, and Jesus comes along and he did what the law could not do. You say, what do you mean? I'm saying that we absolutely, we cannot earn our way to heaven. Jesus we don't deserve it, but He showed us grace. What the law could not do, what the priest, Levi, didn't do or could not do, the Samaritan came along. He said, I'm going to show you grace. And he picked up this broken man. He picked me up. He picked you up. And he brought us to the end. And the end is a representation of the New Testament church. 
He brought us to this place. He brings people to this place. People who are hurting. People who are broken. People who need to know that God loves them. He brings them to this place. And he hands them over to us. The innkeepers. And he says, show them my love. Show them my love. That's what happened here. He said, hey, I can't be here. I have to go. But will you, by by me paying this money, I brought him to you. Will you take care of him? Will you help him? He said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But until I do, will you take care of him? I can sit and think of that story. And I can think about it. And I can look around this building. And I know so many of your stories. That's what's so awesome about being pastor. And there's going to be a time that we're going to start sharing those stories. Because those stories touch my heart. Because I know. I know that you were once this broken man that was left for dead but that God picked you up and now that you're here you've been taken care of we're walking beside you and there's no doubt that when this man was made whole I can promise you that his life was changed forever can you imagine the gratitude that he must have had the feeling that he must have had how many people, you know, sometimes I would like to, to, to just know what happened after this. You know, Jesus adds some more to the story. But we think about our lives. And we see and we know what God did for us. And he says, show my love to somebody else. Take what I've given you. He said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But right now, it's your job. It's our job to take care, to show the love and the compassion to people who are in our lives. There's nothing that... that I would say that I want more, but there's nothing I know in my heart, there's nothing that we want more than to see people's lives changed forever. And there's no doubt in my mind that as we join together and that as we step away from being casual fishers and we step into becoming serious about the task that is at hand. The Bible said that Peter and James and John, they left everything. They left it all. 
because they were serious. If we could just get just a little bit of that. There's nothing better. My heart has rejoiced all week for the two people last week that came and knelt at this altar and gave their life to Christ. It's the highlight of my week. Why? Because I know that that was once me. And that God picked me up. And that what he did for me, at that moment he did for them. And then at that point, when they made that decision, we're going to walk with them. We're not going to just go throw them back out to the wolves. We're not going to just put them back out there for the enemy who's there to steal and kill and destroy them. But we're going to walk with them. We're going to walk beside them. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning and you say, you may say, Pastor, first of all, I am the man who's been left for dead. I am someone who is down on the ground of life. I'm hurting. can't get up on my own I need Jesus to pick me up I need him to take care of me I need people who will walk beside me you may be here you say you know I've I've tried to live the Christian life but it's just it just doesn't work for me I'm hurting I need a savior If that's you, you can signify that just by slipping up your hand. I've made a thank you. Anyone else? You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm a believer but if I'm being honest with myself sometimes it just it it feels as if that honestly I'm just not really it's not that I'm not concerned but it's not my top priority in life pastor I, I want to feel that I want to be the kind of person who looks at the waiter or the waitress at the restaurant and is hurt with compassion. That wants to know, that wants them to know that God loves them. And it's just not me at this point. And I'm not, it's not any condemnation. I'm not saying you're a bad person. It's saying, you're saying, I could do better. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to do better. I want to move from just being a casual fisher to becoming a, someone who is serious. Anyone else? It's my desire. It's my desire.
If you're here and you raised your hand, whether you're the person that needs, feels like you've been left for dead, needs Christ to pick you up, or if you say, Pastor, I want to be more serious about my walk. Listen, we haven't, we, we left a big altar space up here for a reason. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to step out of your seat as they're playing and as I begin to pray. There's nothing magical about coming here. It's just you saying, I'm serious. I'm serious. Sure, I can raise my hand when nobody's looking, but I'm serious. I want everybody to know. I want the enemy to know that I'm serious. So as I pray, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat. We're just going to pray together at this altar. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. God, for those who raise their hand, God, I pray right now. God, as they step out and they begin to move to this altar, God, I pray that you will reward their obedience. God, that you will let them know that you are looking for a group of people. God, you're looking for a group of people who will put you above everything else. A group of people who will say that there are people in my life that I know that I can make a difference in their life. God, there's those here this morning who may have strayed away from you. God, they may have and they may feel as if they've been left for dead. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you speak to their heart. Holy Spirit, that you speak to their heart. God, that you let them know that you love them, that you're concerned about them. And God, that, that you will change their lives forever. God, I pray that this morning, that everyone under the sound of my voice, God will leave here knowing that they can make a difference in the lives of people. God, I pray that we feel no guilt. God, no condemnation about what is in the past. But God, that we all just strive. That we press toward the goal, toward the mark. God, that we run the race with perseverance. God, that we realize that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. God, may we put people first above everything else. Show them your love. Show them your mercy and your grace. God, I thank you for the changes that you're making right now.